Welcome to the Beyond Physical Therapy Podcast. This is the podcast where we talk to physical therapists and other healthcare professionals that have broken away from the pack of everyday clinicians. Learn how to shift your mindset away from traditional PT and healthcare as we interview those that have already found a way to move beyond their day-to-day job. I'm your host, Zach Reggio. Let's dive into today's episode. Some of the most profitable ads that I've had are actually higher cost per lead, but they're actually more profitable. And the reason is, is because you're actually selling someone on Amazon. So I actually had a lot of success with selling people packages that are focused on outcome specific. Those things do better because it's getting someone in the mindset that they're solving a problem rather than just saying, here's some physio, it's discounted. Hey, you know, Anne Frank said uh, five stars, awesome review. It's building a little bit more to what the person specifically is looking for. You're gonna get less opt-ins and you're gonna get a higher cost per lead, but the person's gonna spend more. So you've gotta really look at what objective you're trying to get and what outcome you're trying to get and not necessarily doing just what everyone else is is doing. Hey guys, welcome to the show. Today we have Brad Cote, a dual licensed healthcare practitioner. He is a registered massage therapist and a diploma of osteopathy manual practitioner, as well as a successful clinic owner from Canada where healthcare is free. In this episode, we dive into different marketing secrets that Brad teaches that have allowed him to grow his clinic from zero to seven figures in revenue in only 18 months of operation. Here it is. All right, Brad. Well, thank you for coming on the show. Really do appreciate it. If it's all right with you, before we start, do you mind just sharing a little bit with the audience about yourself and your background? For sure. Thanks for having me. Uh, really excited to be able to help and share some of my uh, insights. So I've been in the health and fitness industry for about 13 years now in various capacities. I originally started as a strength and conditioning coach, got CSCS, ended up going back and doing exercise science and human bio, and then getting my RMT and osteopath license. So that way I could be able to treat in conjunction with training. And that's really how I got started was I was originally looking at going to work in a clinic and becoming a physical therapist in the early stages of my career. It was a post-grad program at that time, but I got really turned off by working almost in what I refer to as a physio male type environment now that really you know, was not a great experience. So when I worked at a clinic, what happened was a lot of the time, the people who came in were really not getting any better and we'd spend 10, 15 minutes with them. And as kind of the the peasant, I basically had to give them some band exercises or print out some notes or whatever. And it was just not a really great experience. So what I learned is like, hey, you know what? I'm not sure if I really want to go down this route at the time. And that's when I knew, well, I'd like to be able to do exercise components, but I need to be able to do manual work. So I went down the route of getting my therapy licenses, RMT, so that I could be able to do treatment, less like traditional massage therapy, but being able to do things like ART, uh, active release techniques and so on. And then I also got my osteopathy license a little bit later on when I wanted to be able to expand my scope of being able to do different types of adjustments or organ manipulations, as well as practicing some functional medicine and neurology-based work in there. So um, that's kind of like a little bit of my professional career in uh, in uh, my practitioner aspect. I, I started my practice as a solo practice and kind of have worked my, my way in different aspects throughout the years. 
I focused uh, a lot in my earlier career on sports performance and uh, athletic adults and really getting them to be optimized so they could golf or run or cycle or whatever it was. And then through my education, like I've always been a little bit different in how I treated, I, I was able to get really good results for people who traditionally had hit and plateaus or were told they were not able to get any better or they need surgery or whatever it was. So I delved in kind of that general pop or that athletic population, the kind of regional sort of national level uh, for a couple of years and uh, eventually ended up transitioning through some contacts that I had uh, to work with NFL and NHL players. So I did that for about two and a half years. That's kind of how I started to kick off my, my clinic is because I was traveling so much, I wasn't able to be in a solo practice. So I started to learn how to you know, hire and get personal trainers and physical therapists and chiropractors and other people who are aligned with what I did to kind of bring them together to, to help facilitate that. And ultimately, I ended up opening my own clinics. And uh, one of them was a gym clinic that I built up and we, we were really successful from the beginning stages, uh, partly with our network and who we were working with and so on. So I learned a lot through this process and always would say my my process for being a practitioner is always really, you know, focusing on the, the systems and the structures and, and putting things together at kind of that more technical base in order for people to get, you know, really deep results. Okay. Awesome. Yeah. I, I mean, that's uh, one of the reasons I wanted to talk to you, just very full of surprises and you, you have a very systematic approach to you, which I really like. So are you still treating patients or is your business kind of, uh, you know, run as far as treatment wise by other people? I have some private clients that I've, I've kept for a couple of years that are uh, pro athletes as well as like higher level executives and stuff that I've had longer term relationships with. With that being said, like I don't do as much treatment as I used to. Back in the day, I would work from 6 a.m. till 9 a.m. or 9 p.m. Monday to Friday. Like I'd be doing 200, 250 hours a month, just like nonstop and then doing continuing education and everything else in between. I was teaching courses like I've, I've taught fascial stress therapy and MAT and exercise muscle testing from a couple, couple different uh, classes. And uh, it just got to be a lot. So where I am now is I feel like I kind of burned myself out a little bit. And part of my goals were to be able to help other people, um, you know, as many patients as I can. And, and that was kind of how I got into business is I was actually able to leverage being able to help more people by just having more practitioners that were able to treat and it's the same sort of system that I would believe in. And, um, ultimately had, had gotten good results with. So I transitioned my business a lot more to being able to work on the business's aspect, as well as being able to do some consulting um, with other health practices so that ultimately they can affect more change and get better results with their patients and, and grow their practices. Very cool. And now I will get back to the regular questioning, but this is semi-unrelated. You have a love for pugs, is that correct? I do. I uh, this is the second pug we have now. It's uh, her name is Meadow, and uh, our last pug was Lola. So uh, when I met my girlfriend in the beginning, uh, a couple of years back, it was uh, she had this pug, and I never quite understood it. But I think over time, we just started to uh, develop a relationship. She started coming with me to work every day because she had to travel off for work, and uh, she came with me the the pug. So she would you know hang out at the gym clinic, and every person who came in loved her and, and whatnot. So I think we build that relationship. And then she passed away, um, last January, I believe it was. And then we ended up getting another pug in, in Meadow. She's a completely different dog, but you know, good personality. And she's got a lot of other friends. She's got a little friend now that you probably see if you follow my social yeah, no, that's the building awesome. and she's a, she's a couple months old. So they're very cute. Yeah. I, I grew up with the uh, pugs. That's why I ask. Uh, my, oh, really? my mom was, is a big 
pug fanatic. So, uh, yeah, I've always had pugs in my life, but they're, they're really yeah. funny. They're entertaining for sure. Yeah. They're, they're interesting. They're interesting. They're very, what they call Velcro dogs. Yeah. <laughs> I like that. I haven't heard that before. All right. So let me get back to my regularly scheduled questioning. Sorry. I just had to ask. So can you tell me about health practice marketing secret Facebook group that you run and, and what services you're providing for people through that? Sure. So the group is uh, what I put together in order for me to have a little bit of a community and share some of my experiences and thoughts and training. Um, so the group, what the my main focus over the next coming months is, is really to be able to grow a bit more engaging group of people to get their questions answered, as well as give them frameworks to be able to follow. So depending on where someone is in their health practice, whether they're just kind of starting out or they've already got some momentum going forward and they want to be able to make their first hire, or maybe they've got a clinic where they're looking at being able to create some more freedom in the person's life and they're not being so overwhelmed, we're going to be able to have some frameworks that, that can really help people. So there's some stuff in there now that's really focusing on the marketing aspect of strategy, the, the structures and, and how to set things up for people to have the most amount of success. But really, it's a community environment for everyone to kind of get in and share thoughts and whatnot. Yeah, no, I, I'm, I'm part of the group and I, I definitely like the... Uh community aspect of it it's very friendly there's not a lot of people you know saying oh you should do it this way you should do it that way it's very open and i think that's you know fostered by you so you know good job so can you tell me what you think maybe the biggest mistake you see people making when it comes to marketing and healthcare for sure and i think that from my observations there's, there's kind of two answers and one of them is sort of the superficial one that everyone sort of sees and then there's one that's kind of like a little bit deeper so the, the, if we kind of start at the overall 30,000 foot view, the, the biggest mistake that I, I see is that people use the wrong strategies and systems and copy what other people are doing, but their business is not really in the specific stage. So there's, when I work with people and even from a treatment standpoint or a business standpoint, I really focus on three things, the right structure, the right strategies and the right systems at the right time. And what's contextual for a business that's already up and running and has some preeminence in the community and they've got some staff is not going to be the same strategy that someone who's just starting out as needs. And often I think people get disillusioned in terms of where they are in business and they lose the context in terms of the strategy that someone's sharing. So this is kind of an example I give is that if you're a solo practitioner, you probably shouldn't be buying billboards because you don't really have much brand awareness. But if you've got a massive you know, multi-chain clinic, there's a couple of them here in Canada, they buy billboards because it's more top of mind and, and you're, you're constantly staying in the presence. So that strategy is not going to be you know, working. So really understanding where your business is now and understanding at what stage you're at is going to dictate what type of strategy you need. So if you're just starting your business out, you need to get patients on schedule. So you need to generate some revenue because if you don't generate revenue, you can't invest it into your business. You can't pay yourself. So your, your main objective there is you've got to generate revenue. And there's a couple of different ways of being able to do that. Running Facebook ads might not be the best strategy for you right away. I like to focus on doing things like now networking and setting up joint venture relationships. Talk a lot about that in, in different modules that I have of setting up joint ventures, as well as using workshops and some other things that are a little more organic to get you kickstarted and then um, sort of launch your career. And if you're looking at the next stages of, hey, I want to really grow my business and uh, you know I need to hire people and all this other stuff, well, you might actually not need an ad campaign strategy. You might need something to retain clients 
because a lot of the time people are so focused on getting new patients or clients in that they forget that they should be retaining people or optimizing to get referrals because both of those things actually make you more profitable because you need, you're actually getting more money and, and probably better results from those people. So, and I'm not saying just sell stuff just to sell it. You're selling a plan of care based on what the person needs, but I've not met anyone who doesn't probably need ongoing stuff. I mean, I focus a bit more on active adults and athletic population, um, athletes and so on, but you know, sure, they got a shoulder problem, but they probably need maintenance or they probably need other aspects that I could probably help them, with, which is part of the reason that I extended my scope of practice and getting other licenses so I could help them with nutrition, supplementation, and, and that type of stuff as well. So really looking at that aspect, they might need to focus on a reactivation strategy to keep those, keep those patients, you know, staying there. They need to get referrals because that's going to decrease your acquisition costs, allow you to be more profitable and spend less money on actually marketing because you're, you're actually getting more bang for your buck. And the example I always give with that is if I spend $100 on Facebook ad, let's say, and you spend $100 on Facebook ad, but for me, I get 10 people, you get 10 people, we both got 10 leads for 10 bucks. If you get 50% of those leads to bring in a referral you have 15 clients and I have 10. Your cost to acquire 10 clients is actually decreased because you got 15. So your marketing cost goes down, your profitability goes up and your acquisition cost decreases massively. And if you're looking at scaling your business, those are really important numbers. So at that stage, someone needs to really focus on the systems that are in place in order for them to be able to be consistent because getting new patients may not actually grow their business in a large majority of cases for people I talk to, if they don't have a retention strategy or referrals, we don't touch new patients because uh, we already know where we can make the biggest leaps and bounds. Yeah, no, definitely. And so I think you touched on it a little bit, but if someone is starting their own practice, say they, they have no clients, right? What should that first kind of step be to get patients in the door quickly? For sure. And I think this is a, this is a really important question. So it really depends on the person and where they kind of are in their life. So if you're starting a practice or you want to start a practice, but you don't have a lot of experience and you're not really great at the business side of either marketing and sales processes, um, my suggestion is always I would get a, a, an employee-based job or something along those lines that's able to get you consistency in so you can learn and get a bit more skill sets in that while you're building your business. And the reason I say that is there's a lot of people that jump into it right away and think, oh man, I don't have enough savings or I don't, I don't have these skill sets. This is too much stress. And then it, you start to lose your passion. And there's a lot of people that I went to school with um, and other practitioners, I know physical therapists and, and even Kairos who like kind of burn out a bit because it's super stressful. You got student loans to pay back or whatever it might be. And you don't necessarily have a system to, to get people to come in to see you and, and whatnot. So depending on where you are and your risk tolerance, your savings and so on, I would I'd just evaluate taking that step. So if you've taken that step and you've got your practice, the first things that I like to do to start is if I, if I have no patience at all and I got to start from ground zero, I would probably go to scenario one and build a bit of a client list first and then go out. But let's say you dropped me in a random you know, city, let's say maybe Southern California would rather be there, um, you know, than, than Toronto. But if you took me around a city and you said, Hey, you've got no clients, you got to start completely brand new. So a scenario that's probably not gonna happen too much. 
the first things I would do is I would find influential people in my community and set up joint venture partnerships. So what I refer to as synergistic partnerships. This is what I, uh, how I describe this is I say, picture I want, you want to go barbecue. So there's a lot of components that go into barbecuing. If I go to the store and I go buy a barbecue and I just take it home and I'm super excited, I'm going to have this delicious food. Well, I only bought a barbecue. I didn't buy the propane. I didn't buy the food. I didn't buy the plates. I didn't need to clean up and so on. So what are the things that happen before and after, let's say, physical therapy? Someone might be training. They might be preparing for a running event. They might have seen a medical doctor. What are some things that happen after? Maybe it, that's yoga, meditation, so on. So I would make a list of all the businesses that are synergistic, and then I would find influential people who treat or believe the same sort of things as me. So for me, I'm you know a lot about the holistic approach. I like to do ex, you know corrective exercises, nutrition, you know functional medicine, all that type of stuff. Uh, I like to integrate all that together. And, you know, I'm, I'm a lifter myself. I like to be able to, to lift, but, you know, obviously be able to integrate these components. I'm probably not going to align myself with someone who's a personal trainer, who's like, you know, just giving people rhabdomyosis. Uh, it might not be the best fit. So I would find the people that I align with, and then I would reach out to these people and, and build relationships and not do the traditional thing where people just go hand out business cards or, or flyers, but I would actually make contact. And remember when you're setting up joint ventures, you're selling to the actual person that you're connecting with, not their clients or patients. So you got to understand what does a personal trainer want? What does a medical doctor want? What does the yoga studio owner or running clinic person want? What do they want? So when you can set up a meeting with them and say it's just something like, hey, uh, Zach, Brad here, I'm a therapist. I got transplanted here. I woke up and now all of a sudden I'm stuck in San Diego, and I need to start my business from scratch. Crazy story. But anyways, I'd like to, uh, you know, I noticed that you do X, Y, Z. I'm aligned on the same way. Uh, I'm new here, and I'd really like to be able to connect with other people who are doing the same sort of thing as me so I can see if there's any way that I can support you, and uh, we can maybe collaborate on the project. So that way, they're more likely to engage with you rather than saying, hey, here's my business card, send me clients. No one wants that. For, for numerous reasons, but that's the first step that I would do there. Number two is I would draw, I would drive workshops. So even with being shut down in COVID, I was still experimenting with doing virtual based workshops and getting opt-ins. And I spoke to a, a colleague, a physical therapist colleague earlier this week, and uh, you know, he did a workshop and no one showed online and seemed kind of like he was bummed out. But I said, you know what, At the end of the day, all those people opted in because they're interested in overcoming back pain or whatever the workshops on. Just because they didn't show up doesn't mean they're not interested. You just got to follow up. So I always say that it's like the workshop that doesn't matter. You're doing it just to do it and people come great, but you've got to contact information you can follow up with. Um, so those are the two things that I would do. And I would probably run ads at the same time, depending on if I had a, a budget or, or whatnot as well. Um, or the technical skill to do it. So that's what I would suggest across the board is partnerships are going to elevate you huge and doing workshops because you're selling to one to many instead of one to one and people kind of opt themselves in. Yeah. Yeah. That makes sense. So they're only going to opt in if they're actually interested. I agree with that. Cool. Yeah. Um, so I know you do a lot of Facebook ads in your group and, and you're, you're pretty proficient in it, I would say. So what would you say the secret is to maybe getting people's attention with social media ads? Yeah. So, you know, if we're talking like Facebook, Instagram ads, there's a couple strategies that really help. And the, the first thing that I would really say is actually understanding what is the purpose behind each section of a Facebook ad. And too many times people think, Hey, I just slapped together this ad and this offer, and it's going to go together. Good. 
but we really need to look at the psychology behind it. So the purpose of an ad is to do one thing, to get a click. Because if I don't get a click, the person can't move to the next stage. Mind you, there are some scenarios where that's not 100% of the case, like video views, you know, but majority of the cases, it's like, I need to get the click. If I can't get the person to stop scrolling and click, then, you know, no one's going to engage with my app. So there's some tips that, that work really well. If you look at what Nick Kuzmich teaches, he's a, um, he's a fellow Canadian close by me as well. And he's like a world-renowned Facebook expert. And he says around 80% of the ad's effectiveness has to do with the picture selection or photo or video selection that you choose. And it's ability to be able to stand out as well as being able to draw an emotional connection. So that's a really, really important thing. Um, the other thing that I would recommend is that you need to uh, also look at, so getting that, getting them to stop scroll. The next thing is once they've stopped scrolling, we need to get them to engage. And what seems to be a big trend is everyone sort of markets the same. And uh, this is one thing that I feel is like always been a, a bit of an, a bit of a, a difference to me on how I look at things. Um, partly because I have two licenses. I started as a trainer and I, I'm kind of have seen different worlds is I look outside of my industry. So what do realtors do? Architects, lawyers, how do they market? How do they, how do they do things? And um, I find that a lot, especially in physical therapies, everyone really markets the same. They put together the same sort of ad, the same sort of conversion offer vouchers. So vouchers right now I'm seeing are really popular. And um, there's a couple of things that they can definitely improve on. And that's why generally you'll get higher conversion rates if, if you edit some of those things. So the, the first one that I always say that people should consider is creating the offer. What exactly are you giving someone? There's this big craze. It's happened in gyms and stuff as well, where people say, oh, well, I need to do a low barrier to entry. It's $200 for an initial appointment, but if you book now, it's 49 bucks. So they, they like to discount the front end. And the problem that I have sometimes with that is that what exactly are you selling are you selling the discounted first appointment or are you selling the plan of care or solution or result that the person is trying to get at the end? Now, if you have a solid sales system and you have an ability to triage and filter these, these prospects, then your rates are going to maybe not be so bad. But a lot of the people don't have that that I speak to. So they're running these front end offers and don't really understand how to display value or connect uh, the value in these sales calls in order or initial appointments and so on in order to sell that plan of care. So I would really look at depending on where you are in your business, uh, what, what do you really want or what do you really need? If you have a sales process in place, then you can run those types of offers. If you don't, um, you may want to run other types of offers, for example. And I will tell you some of the most profitable ads that I've had are actually higher cost per lead. So they don't look as sexy or as marketable to you know, post over your social media saying, hey, I got so many leads, but they're actually more profitable. And the reason is, is because you're actually selling someone on Amazon. So I actually had a lot of success with selling people packages that are focused on outcome specific or what I call them. So back to running, you know, start your season strong, back to running program, start your golf season strong, back to running, something along those lines where it's four weeks, they get some training and therapy combined together. Even if you're just giving them therapy, like we'll do massage packages that are focused for runners, those things do better because it's getting someone in the mindset that they're solving a problem rather than just saying, here's some physio, it's discounted. Hey, you know, Anne Frank said uh, five stars, awesome review. It's building a little bit more to what the person specific is looking for. You're going to get less opt-ins. 
and you're going to get a higher cost per lead, but the person's going to spend more. So I really look at the, the numbers from campaigns and sometimes you've got to really look at what objective you're trying to get and what outcome you're trying to get and not necessarily doing just what everyone else is, is doing, if that makes sense. Yeah, that makes a ton of sense. And you described it beautifully. So thank you for that. Yeah, I think you're right. A lot of people just kind of throw ads out there and it just says, oh, physical therapy, physical therapy. But for what? You know what I mean? It's like, who is your audience? Who are you trying to reach? And what outcome are you trying to get? So I think if you're more descriptive in that, you're right, you'll get a better you know, preferred clientele as opposed to maybe just some, you know, random person who's not really sure if they even want what you have to offer. Exactly. And, and the, I guess the other thing to really understand is, is understanding your pro, your sales funnel of where is someone in that? Are they cold? Are they warm? Are they hot? Do they know about you? Like if they're cold audience and you're running cold ads and you don't have much preeminence in the community, people are generally going to be more skeptical. They're going to be less trustworthy of you. So you might need to do things to warm them up and use different copy or uh, different types of campaign and content in order to warm them up to be more warm. Whereas a clinic that's been around for a long time has a good reputation, they might be able to run ads and get better conversion rates right off the bat. So it's all 100% contextual, just what I talked about uh, a little bit earlier. Yeah, definitely. Perfect. All right. Awesome, man. So what advice would you give to somebody that's starting a practice and they're looking to stay maybe more organized or more structured in their business? Yeah, for sure. So if you're starting, if you're just kind of starting out um, the big thing that I would say is you've got to have a bit of a plan. So uh, there is a uh, like little worksheet that I use. I can, I can send it to you. So if anyone wants to go through it, um, there's no sell or anything like that. You can just use it as a resource. And sure. what I really do is I actually map out where, where I really want to be and what are some of my goals and kind of work backwards from a three-year mark. So I go three years, one year, 90 days, and weekly. So weekly, what needs to happen weekly this week in order to keep on track towards my 90-day goals? What needs to happen to get to my one-year goals? And it's really important to be able to have these ideas in mind and written down because that's really your North Star. And things will go wrong. I will tell you that. Sorry to be the bearer of bad news, but things will go wrong or not as expected or take longer. And, and that's just the reality of business. But you've got to have something to anchor you. Otherwise, it becomes increasingly difficult to be able to stay to that. And that's what we've seen during COVID is there, there, there are a lot of people, and I'm not saying anything wrong with it, but there are a lot of people who just sort of said, you know what, I'm out. I'm not doing this. They didn't really have as much passion. They weren't as driven towards anything specific. It was just sort of something that to do, and they didn't want to work for someone or whatever it might be, um, which is totally cool. But ultimately, if you want to be in business, you've got to make sure that you have a plan. And planning is huge. So that's kind of the first step. And I like to sit down and really plan out a quarter at a time and say, what needs to happen in three months? So how many patients do I need to have? What does my retention rate need to be? Um, and what kind of ads do I need to run? Or how am I going to market? All that type of stuff. Um, so actually sitting out and mapping it out and writing it down. I use a whiteboard you can see over here. Where I'll actually write down um, once a month and just, just spend an, at least an hour, hour and a half Am I on track? What needs to modify? What didn't happen? And so on. And really making sure that you're, you know, you're on track for that. And then, you know, I'm obviously, I'm going to be biased because I'm in this world and I've spent, you know, I, I don't even know, hundreds of thousands of dollars of continuing education, mentors and that type of stuff. But if you invest in yourself outside of just physical therapy or that professional development world and focus on business and soft skills and communication, that type of stuff as well, that's going to be huge. If you can find people that are, you don't necessarily need to go spend tons of money on, on coaching, but you can invest in books that are outside of 
you know, standard orthopedic tests or neurology or something like that, like invest in a book that's going to teach you on customer service or retention or marketing or something along those lines. And, and just constantly be open to being able to develop those aspects of your life. And I think that that's probably one of the most important things, you know, to really do is have that plan and making sure that you're constantly improving your skill sets. Because if you need to get more organized, there's content somewhere that you can find book-wise or whatever to help guide you in that. But you've got to really be open to it and, and implement it, if that makes sense. Yeah, yeah, definitely. And I like the way you lay out, you know, kind of your business plan. It reminds me of a book. Did you ever read the book, The 12-Week Year? No, no, no. Similar to that, but um, okay, very cool. And then, you know, that kind of leads into the next question pretty well, which was, uh, you know, tell me about one of your mentors that, that you've had in life and how they've kind of changed your way of thinking, whether it's uh, just in life in general or in business. Yeah, of course. And, and I think it's like, you know, this one's a hard question to answer sometimes because I've had so many. And I think that sometimes people get stuck in terms of thinking, hey, I've got one mentor and this person is the physical therapy master. So I only need to listen to every single thing that they do. And I think a lot of people get stuck into that. I even noticed when I went through and did ART and stuff, there's just like people live, breathe and sleep ART. Like that's, you know, that's what they're going to have on their tombstone. <laughs> like they're so stuck into that thing. And I think mentorship is a lot about finding people who have skill sets um, or opposing viewpoints to you, as well as being able to find people who have mastered a lot about what you're looking at doing. So um, for me, I had a big challenge with hiring at one point in my business, and I had to look outside. I ended up finding a lot of answers that allowed me to break through in the food-based industry. So that allowed me to, to create a lot of uh, change in my business. And it wasn't even anything to do with healthcare, really. Probably the probably the opposite because they're selling like food that's not good for you. But, you know, those concepts were really able to help me. So having an open mind to thinking like, is there stuff that we can learn from real estate or, or lawyers or whatnot? Yeah, hundred percent. So mentors, I sort of break them up into professionalism, like that's in your industry. So what mentors, if you want to open a clinic, what mentor has opened a clinic? Like what person has specialized in neurology or what what person's specialized in cash practice or whatever it is specifically that you want to do. You've got those professional ones. And then you've got people who are more the outsiders or the accountability based people where you're looking at, for me, I've got a, I've got a lawyer that I connect with a real estate person for corporate, corporate real estate. And I've got a investment advisor. So these people, they're not actually investing, you know, they're not my lawyer or investment advisor or anything, but they're people that I meet with regularly. I, I meet with the, investment advisor on zoom this week where we just talk a little bit about what's working in the industry he's been in the industry for a long period of time and he gives me different advice and a different viewpoint so those people a lot of the time are really beneficial to have as well in terms of professional mentors uh, i've worked with a, a lot of different people and i i'm starting to find people who specialize now so i've done some work with frank kern who's done uh, facebook ads um, Dan Kennedy is obviously a, a really great direct response marketing. Jay Abraham's another guy that I, I look up to in terms of business growth strategy and, uh, mentors on the other side, I've got a guy, uh, Mark, who is the financial guy who's helped me really through the years, understand just on different viewpoint and, and looking at, you know, other aspects of, of business as well as the, the real, uh, the realtor, um, Jim, who's able to, you know, help me understand that industry and how people work. And I got actually a lot of direct mail. And uh, mailer-based stuff uh, from him in terms of them doing it because that's what they do a ton of. So I really think it's like, you know, getting someone to be able to help you, but also having an open mind that not just to look in your industry, but to look outside of what other people are doing. 
Yeah. Hopefully that yeah. gave you your answer. No. Yeah. I think that's a great answer. Cause I know sometimes it's hard to narrow it down to just a single person that changed your entire life. Right. So no, I think that was a very appropriate answer. So, and this next question might be a little tough to answer too, but however you think you can best answer it, let me know. What do you think one thing that you've done consistently over the years has most attributed to your success? Yeah. So the biggest thing that I think I've done consistency consistently over the years is being consistent, um, which is kind of a, a smart ass yeah. answer, I guess. But the reality is, is like, it's kind of what I talked a little bit about before anchoring yourself to wanting to improve and not necessarily saying like, I've got this huge big goal, but being able to quantify it and break it down. So that way you're able to be consistent and moving towards it and really understanding that there's going to be times in your career and business and life relationships, whatever, where things are not going to go great. And it's your ability to be able to be consistent and do the things in order to get back on track. That's going to make the biggest um, differences. So for me, one thing is personal development. I'm relentless in my pursuit to being able to get results for people. So when I first started out in my career, you know, I didn't really know too much. Obviously none of us really did. Right. But I was relentless in the pursuit to say, why didn't Mrs. Jones, shoulder get better? Well, the answers that I always got from the, the orthopods or the other physical therapists were like, Oh, they didn't do their homework. They didn't do this. I was like, Oh, well, that doesn't make any sense because this person's going to get training and they're not having issues there. So what's going on? Um, and those, those were some of the problems that I ended up, you know, obviously having within that, within my experiences there, but like the constant pursuit to saying, how can I get better at this? How can I solve this problem? And going outside the, the industry or getting the resort or resources that I need in order to be able to execute that. So really constant personal development um, and really constantly focusing on improving your network of people because you may not know where people will come into place in your world, but it's always being consistent, growing your network, uh, continued improvements of yourself. And I think that those are probably the biggest contributing factors for me um, that's allowed me to, to have some success over time. Yeah. Yeah. No, I think that's uh, that's really great advice. And having a large network of people that can help you in all areas of life, not just, you know, what you need at that single moment is incredibly valuable. So yeah, I think that's a great answer. So do you have any other passion projects that you're currently working on or things you'd like to accomplish in the next couple of years? In terms of um, things that I'm focusing on, I'm really focusing on the the growing the environment right now for health practitioners to be able to have a cohesive business-based sense and growing that community. So I've got a colleague of mine, Dr. Ken Kanak, and he's a chiropractor, sports chiro. And he has a thing called SWIS, Society of Weight Training Injury Specialists. And it's focusing on literally that. It's weight training, injury specialists, powerlifters, weightlifters, uh, competitive athletes, uh, NFL, and so on. And he's got a really tight-knit community. And, and what I really see as an opportunity in healthcare is other health practitioners being able to cohesively work together. It's still pretty segregated in terms of like everyone sort of sticks in their own niche. And I think that if we work together in terms of being able to, to grow our practices in terms of being able to refer in between, you know, that's going to be able to create more leverage for everyone and achieve the same results. Cause as therapists, we all really want the same thing. We want our patients or clients to get out of pain, to live better quality of life, uh, you know, to be stronger and happier and have better relationships and really just, you know, live life on their own terms and, and have that ability to do whatever they want. So, you know, part of Swiss, the one I mentioned earlier was getting personal trainers to work with practitioners and getting practitioners to inner, inner work together. 
when I first started out, everyone's sort of resistant and I didn't quite understand why. And, and, um, you know, I think that that's one thing that I'm really working on. So I want to be able to build a community of people where they can go and get, uh, resources and the help that they need, whether they're completely first starting out their business. Great. We've got people who can help you in that Avenue. You're, you've got a clinic and you want to go from five to 10 locations, or you want to sell your clinic, whatever it is, we've got people who can help that. So I've been making a lot of connections with the people who can help facilitate these other aspects. Um, and then, you know, I can specialize a bit in, in the area that I'm in. And there's other people that I know I can, I can get help with to, to help these, you know, practitioners wherever they are. Um, so that's kind of like an overall project. I think is probably going to be ongoing really forever, but it's something that I've been taking a more of a of a passionate look at over the next little bit. Uh, yeah, no, I think that's, that's amazing. And the fact that you're building something like that, where you can say, I don't have all the answers, but what I do specialize in, I can help you with, if I can't help you, I can refer you out to this person who is an expert or specializes in that field. And I think just being able to say that, like, I don't know every single answer is very powerful. So yeah, I think that's a, a amazing idea to have something like that. Exactly. And that's what, that's really where the clinic came from is, you know, there's a lot, lot of multidisciplinary clinics, but it really just means they have different practitioners there. No one really talks. For me, we did, we studied together, we learned together, we, you know, we inter, intertwined between personal trainers and connecting with the physical therapist and the chiropractors, the naturopath, and everyone really works together with the goal of improving themselves, as well as being able to get the best results for their patients. Yeah. Yeah. I like that. It kind of sounds like, you know, you have them hang their ego at the door, right? Exactly. Cool. So last question, do you have any advice or maybe words of wisdom for, for future PTs or healthcare professionals in general looking to start their own business? The biggest thing that I would say is you've got to look at your why. And this goes back to Simon Sinek. It's a, it's a really popular book. Like and I think it's a really good uh, way to get someone started to really understand why you're doing it. Are you doing this because you don't want to work in a clinic and you hate your boss? Or are you doing it because you really want to help people? You want to take on a niche that you're really passionate about. You want to build something that ultimately you're going to be able to create and run and be able to potentially even sell and exit with a profit. So, you know, my mindset is I'm very systems orientated, as you know. So, you know, that's kind of what I'm thinking. But ultimately, you need to have something that is bigger than you. Because it's extremely challenging on days that things don't go right. If you are not making as much money, or you're not getting as many patients, or you're not able to retain them, or whatever. Like if you're, if you got that deep seated, like I need to help people, you know, do X. You know, uh, athletes get out of pain so that they can play golf again, and I just love being able to do that. Then that's what's going to hold you really to. Uh, moving forward and, and ultimately, you know, getting there. And then, you know, obviously following that up is you got a plan. Like you, you really do need to have a plan and you need to look objectively at what you're doing. And if you can't do that as effectively, you need to hire someone to be able to help you with that. Because if you, if you're not assessing, you're just guessing, you know, that from being a practitioner. So it's the same thing in your business. Your business is a client or patient of you. And what you do from a therapy standpoint is marketing and sales and everything else. Those are your diagnostics, right? So you've got a, you've got markers or KPIs that you might be tracking for your revenue or for new patients or retention. Those are the same markers that you're looking at range of motion or strength of a muscle or neurological testing, whatever it is. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Perfect. I think that's a, that's a great way of phrasing it so that, you know, you can kind of understand that the business is almost like a living, breathing thing that you have to take care of as well. Yeah, hundred percent. It is. It's your baby. Yeah, definitely. Awesome, Brad. Thank you so much for coming on this show. I mean, you're, you seem like an amazing guy and I'm definitely going to be following you 
a lot more closely on social media because I know I can learn tons from you. So if it's all right with you before I have you leave here, is it okay if you maybe share with the audience where they can kind of follow up with you or learn more about you on social media? For sure. So I've got my website, bradcody.com, just by name, C-O-T-E. And you can go on there and there's different resources that you can um, access and blog articles and so on. And in the meantime, I mean, just add me on Facebook. Love to, always love to learn more, a little bit more about other health practitioners, where they are in business, what kind of things they're working on, especially people who are focusing on specific niches. Um, so just, just feel free to reach out. I always like to connect to people. Cool. Awesome. Thanks again, Brad. Hey guys, thanks for listening to today's episode. Make sure you check out Brad's free blueprint and training. New Patient Surge, the simple nine-step blueprint that generates 20-plus new patients per month on autopilot without cheesy marketing tactics, wasted money on advertising, or discounting. Also, please hit the link in the show notes to rate and review us on Apple Podcasts. Thanks again, guys. Catch you in the next episode.